Hello, everybody, and welcome to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homey. I'm your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and join us today. As the name says, our listeners are business creators. We have our entrepreneurs, small business owners, and local business owners. We have marketing and business coaches. We have the folks who help others build their businesses. And on the other side of that coin, we have the do-it-yourselfers who love to have your own hands on the levers as you run your own business. If you are one or more of the above, please take a moment, explore episodes, and discover how our experts help you win at the game of business and marketing at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. Also, check us out on iTunes. Just do a search for Business Creators Radio Show. Every five-star rating is greatly appreciated and helps us help more business creators just like you. Be sure to subscribe as fresh content is added every single week. Now, today's episode is going to be one of those episodes, uh, I sometimes call them the the off-the-grid episodes, or I call them the the off-the-target episodes. And what I mean by that is, although the Business Creators Radio Show is largely geared towards helping business creators win at the game of business and marketing, we also like to look at other topics that we frequently get asked here, uh, either me through my business or we collectively, the Business Creators Radio Show. And we were asked several times, how to make money and build a business with handmade arts and crafts, which is a very tough thing to do, uh, as many will say. Uh, They say it's not really a scalable business. They say it's something that you really have to strive to be unique at. And many people who do handmade artisan-type things will be quickly told by investors, well, you have to scale this. You have to find a way to get it produced for pennies on the dollar. Otherwise, this is not really sustainable business and we won't give you a dime. And unfortunately, we've had to turn away some people in terms of helping them with their businesses here because they did have a hard time getting beyond the handmade. If I don't make it myself, it's not the real thing. And I'm very excited to bring on a contrarian point of view, somebody who may even wise me up a little bit. As listeners to our Business Creators Radio Show know, not only am I the host, but I sit with you in the audience with my pen and pad out looking for that slight edge to help me increase my business. And to help us today, uh, I have none other than Shay Ford of the TheVagabondStudio.com. And let me just tell you a little bit about Shay, who's going to share with us about learning to live your life Unleashed and unapologetic, and we're going to get into that too. Just to tell you a little about Shay, she's a creative handmade artist and handmade artist artisan business coach with 10 years of experience on Etsy and five years of experience in social media branding and marketing. So she's about to tell me that all of my previous assumptions are wrong and that there is a bright future. And I'm looking forward to hearing that because I'd love to hear this message get out. What started as a part-time gig to help support her family as a single mom and college student turned into an internationally known blog and social media stream, and then freelance social media managing job for multiple organizations and individuals. She's worked for, with and for 2016 presidential candidate Jill Stein, the Global Climate Convergence in their Earth Day to May Day campaign. There's a little hashtag in front of that. That is a hashtag. And many more. Shay is currently the director of social media for the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation, helping lead their social media marketing of the nuclear zero lawsuits at the International Court of Justice. While she loves activism, Shay's real passion is helping artists like herself. She has led dozens of artists in turning their passion into businesses through her Facebook group, One-on-One Coaching, and Rock Your Shop eCourse, which I actually have heard of. Shay, how are you today? 
I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, it couldn't be better if you paid me a million dollars. And we're going to work on getting some of your uh, handmade artisans a million dollars, if that's okay with you. That is fine, yes. All right. Before we do that, I read off your very impressive official bio here and what it sounds like... imp- i've never heard it read to me that was kind of awesome <laughs> well uh and and you're not the first person that's ever told me that so what we like <laughs> to do here on the business creators radio shows we like to just sort of take a step back and give those of our listeners who may not have heard of you yet a chance to get to know you a little now sometimes our guests give us a paragraph like you did and sometimes they say something like uh my name is john smith and i am the owner of widgets incorporated and then we have to get the whole life story out of them. So the way I want to phrase the question for you is, if you could tell us what drives your passion about helping handmade artists and artisans. I mean, what is it that has really gotten you to latch onto this, other than the fact that you do it yourself? Um, I think growing up I had a passion for art, and I was always told that I could not succeed as an artist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just over and over again. You know, you're really good at that, but, you know, you need to go to school for something real. Um, Or you need to go to something, you know, you need to go be a lawyer. Everybody wanted me to be a lawyer. Um, And I did go to college, and I ended up in this world anyway. So, um, yeah, I think I just, I like encouraging people to do what their, their passion is, no matter what that passion is. You know, I'm reminded of uh, somebody I knew from a long time ago, and his daughter was passionate about being a carpenter. Uh, That's all she ever wanted to do. She wanted to build cabinets. She wanted to build furniture. uh, She loved working with wood, and that's just what she wanted to do with her life. And when she was about 16 or 17 years old, my friend told her that uh, he would happily support her in anything that she wanted to do in her life. She wanted to be a carpenter, she could be a carpenter. If she wanted to weave baskets, she could weave baskets. She wanted to be a lawyer, she could be a lawyer, whatever it was. But regardless, uh, in in exchange for his support, she was going to go get a four-year business degree so that she would have some intelligence on how to make money and have a prosperous living doing what she passionately wanted to do. And I thought that was a pretty fair trade-off. And I think what you're going to share with us today are some insights on how to turn that passion into something that is very sustainable that somebody can make a good living at because it's great to have a passion it's also great to profit from your passion as i see it uh there is one question we ask everybody who comes on the business creators radio show and here it is here on the business creators radio show we provide the tools techniques and strategies to help entrepreneurs quickly grow their businesses a lot of our listeners tell me they have everything they need to implement anything that any of our guest experts say that they need to do except for time and money Now, this is a question we ask everybody who appears on Business Creators Radio Show. And what I like about it is not only the variety of different answers, but also the variety of different ways the question is interpreted. So, Shay, if you could tell us, how do time and money play a role in what you're going to share with us today? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Basically, when I first started on Etsy, I was out of time and had no money. Um, right. I, I, you know, I was a single mom and I had to make money quick and I had children to support. So I threw myself into what I knew and what I knew was how to make things with my hands. And I very steadily turned that into what it ended up being an amazing business. Right. Um, but yeah, time and money wound up being, I would say that that was the core of what started this whole process. And now I teach people how to save time and make money. So I love it. I love it. So here's what I want to check in on first off. Uh, when I was reading out your bio, I mentioned that you were about to 
prove me wrong, perhaps. And you know what? I would love to be on this case because I have been trying to solve this for the longest time. And that's why we reached out to you to bring you on the Business Creators Radio Show. Uh, when I speak with folks who want my company's help with building their business when it comes to handmade art and handmade artisan type things, the challenge we run into is profitability and scalability because working in your own shop and doing things with your own hands means there's only you. And I will go back to folks and I will say, what do we, what can we do to scale this? Uh, what, I mean, how can we get it? So it's not just you building the stuff. Cause the fact is, is your adrenal capacity is going to put a severe limit on how much money you can possibly make with this. You're also going to run into a situation where you're going to have a very small profit margin because your conception of how much is worth is going to be different than how much a shop believes they can sell it for. And going online and selling it is a pretty crowded market. So, Shay, please tell me what I'm missing. Uh, those, are all, <laughs> those are all really good questions. I was answering them in my head as you were going. Good. Um, I think the key to handmade artists, there's, well, there's several keys. Um, when it comes to handmade items, first of all, it's all about how you price them. I know you said a small profit margin, but um, I teach my students to price things so that they have a large profit margin. Right. Um, especially this day and age with the world of Etsy, people are willing to pay more than you think they would be willing to pay for items that are handcrafted by someone else. Um, so like my profit margin, I have a 90% profit margin on my products. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> and it is just me. I just hired, just as in yesterday, just hired on help for the holidays because the holidays are so busy for me. I, you're, you're right. I cannot physically make it through the holidays on my own and keep right. up with orders and make the money that I could make. But most of this, the shop owners that I have worked with, it's just them. But they price their products accordingly um, to fit their market. And when they price their products to fit their market, their market is willing to pay those prices. So they're able to sustain their business. Yeah. Looking at your studio or your or the vagabond studio which is your page on etsy i see mm -hmm. that you do a lot of work with things like aluminum bracelets yeah those are my top selling product and i have tried about a hundred times to break into sterling um and you know other types of metal but my specific target market tends to be like the 18 to 25 year old college student and they like the trendier kind of jewelry they're the ones that collect a lot of jewelry instead of having one or two statement pieces. Right. So they prefer the you know the the lower priced aluminum because then they can collect them. But they right. sell like crazy. Right, right. So basically, uh, it's your your typical buyer of this. I want to hear this correctly. Is not going to buy just one bracelet. They could attend, potentially buy a lot of bracelets. And I see that's more than just bracelets. We also have keychains. We also have uh, necklace charms and other types of jewelry using aluminum, although it is primarily bracelets. Mm -hmm. I do aluminum, copper, and brass. Okay. Um, now, I have several students who also do the same kind of thing I do. They also do hand stamping, but they do sterling silver and um, pewter and a couple of other you know, pricier type of metals, and they have just as much, if not more, success than I do. Wow. Okay. At, at high, much higher prices. 
Right, right. So uh, if somebody were to come to you and say that they have a handmade artisan type product that they want to sell, uh, what are some of the things they need to do in terms of their positioning and their marketing, so to speak, so that they can get those higher margins, get a 90% margin? Because up until now, I, I'll tell you the truth, I didn't believe it was possible. I really... I'm thinking, how the heck do you build something by hand and then get a 90% profit margin unless you have the ability to move at about four times the speed of the average human? How do you do that? Well, I can say one of the students that is in my class at the moment, um, she makes products similar to mine, but like I said, she does the sterling um, right. instead of the aluminum. And she, I think she said last year she was at like 175000 profit. This year she's going to cross 200000 Just so, her... Her, herself, and she. Her, herself, and she. Okay. She is also a single mom, actually. Wow. So yes. not only is she the only person working and making these things, but she's also a single mom, which in itself is about a full-time job and a half, if not more. Yes. Wow. That is very impressive. And uh, if you could whisper to us just one or two things that allows that to even be possible because I can imagine some other people saying to heck with this I'm going to make aluminum bracelets <laughs> well, our market is getting crowded don't make aluminum bracelets <laughs> <laughs> people have figured out that our jewelry sells right. um, my, my biggest thing and it's the very first thing that I teach in my course is that you have to appropriately target your niche um, if, when it, even with handmade products you have a specific type of customer that you are going to attract. You have to, to narrow your branding down to match that. So for right. my shop, like because I, I know that my type of jewelry sells best to the 18 to 25-year-old market, um, I've also narrowed it down kind of, I'm not a big fan of the word boho, but you know, it's like it's the boho hipster crowd that tends yes. to like my stuff. So my branding, my photography, um, anytime I run any kind of ad, my coloring, even the wording that I use on my listings and in my Instagram feed, it is all targeted specifically for those people. Right. So the first thing that I, I know a lot of artists, they have, I love them dearly, but like, you know, you have the creative minds and then you have the business minds. Right. And they don't cross over a lot. So yes. they struggle a lot with, you know, trying to target down. Their first question is, you know, what if I, you know, target a specific type of person, then I'm limiting all these other people. Uh-huh. You know, aren't I, aren't I limiting my business? And so I have to teach them, you know, you're, once you start selling to this specific kind of person, that sets the foundation of your business, and you can grow on that. And once you start growing on that, you can, you know, set your prices how they should be priced. Yeah, I, yeah, because this, and this is something that I've run into also with artisans who've approached helpmywebsitesell.com is there's such a connection um, a passionate connection to the style of the product and the fact that they themselves did it. And what I see missing, which makes it, you know, makes it so that I'm not prepared to take them on as clients, is there's just not a translation between that and what needs to happen to make it profitable. So they have right. their own conception of what they feel it's worth, and then they go out in the marketplace and nobody's willing to stock it on their shelves or nobody's willing to do this, that, or the other thing uh, for that price. So they just can't get anybody to help them with it. And I know part of what you're doing here is you're helping people in terms of how to use things like Etsy and other types of online 
portals. Uh, do you think that uh, a person has a better shot of profitability if they sell the things online than offline, like at their local craft fair or on consignment at their local craft shop? I would say absolutely. Um, okay. There are a couple of people who have taken my courses that I've talked to, and they had great success at, you know, craft fairs or I guess they're called artist markets now for the most part. Yes. Um, but the majority of the experiences that they do better online. Okay. I know my experience, I always do better. I was making more money online in a day than I was making in person at the markets, so I quit doing them. Okay, so okay, so I, I see. Now what I you know, another thing that attracts me about your message and one of the reasons that we were so excited by your wise and generous decision to join us for Business Creators Radio Show is that you have a message of entrepreneurship that we don't hear nearly enough in the world, which is that it is possible to make money online uh, and you don't have to do it through PDFs and online courses. Now, PDFs, online courses, and books are the core of what my business does in terms of uh, launches and promotions, you know, fair statements. But I want to use the Business Creators Radio Show today as a portal for those who may be in online marketing business or may be in a brick-and-mortar business, and either they themselves or somebody they know, like their spouse, their child, their parent, uh, has a passion for handmade artisan things and wants to monetize that. Or maybe they themselves have a hobby. So while they're, so maybe, you know, 10 hours a day, they're working at their information marketing business, but they like to blow off steam by making bracelets or, or floral arrangements or things like that. And I would just, and these are the types of people who are going to be thinking, if I have this passion and hobby, I want to be making money at the same time. So mm -hmm. what I'd like to do is kind of bring those things together here. And I think you've already given us some great initial insights on that. Uh, what I'd like to do here, however, is shift gears a little bit. Uh, you have this tagline, Unleash and Apologetic. Where does that come from? Um, let me see. At, I was a single mom for many years, and right. I kind of, you know, I, for a while I worked at a university and tried to, the whole, everybody wanted me to work an office job. You know, right. you have kids, you need to support them, go work an office job, do what you're supposed to do. And I, I just sort of hit this, it wasn't even really a breaking point. It was just a point where I realized I was not happy. Right. Kids are no kids. You know, I was not happy doing what I was doing. So I, I broke out. I broke out and I started my own business. And um, one of my friends, a very dear friend of mine, said, you know, uh-oh, look, like she's unleashed and unapologetic over here. And Because when I broke out, I, I stopped making excuses for myself. You know, right. why are you doing this? Why aren't you working at the university? Well, because this is what I want to do. End of story. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. End of story. Like, it just, I put my foot down, and I chased my dreams, and I made it happen. I love it. I think that's I think that's fantastic, and if I can just make a you know a couple comments here, um, I don't expect to meet you in Las Vegas anytime soon because we don't really get, we don't really get much rain here. Yeah, so that's so that's kind of unfortunate, but um, that leads to another question. Actually, uh, let's say that somebody wants to be featured 
in art shows around the country. Like you, uh, I just don't see you coming to Las Vegas because uh, we don't get rain here, and I know you love rain uh, because it, I do. Uh, it uh, you, <laughs> you seriously love rain. This much I know. I did my homework. And, um, I do. <laughs> and so let's say you want to have your bracelets featured in an arts and crafts show in Las Vegas, but Shay herself is not coming. How do you get how do you get that done? Um, you know, I don't, typically for arts and crafts shows, you, you have to be there. They want you to set up. Okay. Um, you know, you just set up and do. Now, if you're an artist, of course, you can have your paintings or your drawings in art shows. Um, again, another one of my students is that I have several students who are artists. Um, and one of them has her paintings in two or three different shows right now. And that's much easier to do because it's, you know, set up kind of as a gallery. But for an arts or crafts show, you're typically asked to be there in person. Right. Now, I have my products in, currently in 15 different stores, which is different than a show, um, across the United States. Like I have their Journey-themed bracelets, and they're actually in Detroit. Um, right. They're in a shop in Detroit. So you can reach out and have your products or a lot of times if you know once you get bigger people will start reaching out to you which is what happened to me and you can have your products in you know shops and stores all over the place great great so let's say somebody is approaching a shop or a store whether it's in their own town or some other town and they're looking at whatever it is you bring let's just continue to use the bracelets because that's what you do and mm -hmm. you say you'd I'd love to put my bracelets on your shelves first of all um, is that going to look more like a consignment deal or a inventory buy deal or an on-demand deal and second uh, how do you persuade them that you're not just another hobbyist looking to make a couple bucks um, well, if you have solid branding, which is something that I teach, then you're not going to look like a hobbyist. You're going right. to look like a business. Um, and another thing, you know, we've talked earlier about pricing. If you're, if you're pricing your products appropriately and you're targeting your niche and you've done, you know, there's actually a, a pricing model, and I don't have it right in front of me, but there's a, a, like a pricing formula, and that right. formula includes what we call wholesale times two is retail. So... If you're using the correct formula, then when you go into these stores, what they get is the wholesale price, and then they can mark it up to whatever. But the wholesale price that you're selling it at to these stores still leaves you with a large profit margin. I see. So what we need – so just so I repeat this back, the formula is wholesale times two equals retail. Correct. Okay, so what we're looking – And then you get to the wholesale by adding up, you know – your profit, your time spent, supplies, and all of that. And right. that, that gives you your wholesale, and then wholesale times two is retail. A lot of people skip that last step, the wholesale times two is retail. So when people approach them, you know, about putting items in shops or buying things in bulk, then they end up cutting into their profit and feel like they're, you know, in my case, stamping for pennies. Right. Or, you know, sewing for pennies because they're not pricing things appropriately and that'll drive a business into the ground in a heartbeat yeah yeah that that's one of the things i'm i'm painfully seeing a lot of artisans struggle with is their margins are just way off and i think that part of it is their wholesale may be higher than it needs to be is there anything that an independent artisan can do or somebody working in their own shop and doing their own stuff can do to reduce their wholesale costs um, my biggest tip on that is to shop around for suppliers. 
Okay. You know, in in my case, you know, I have blanks and stamps, and uh, I can't even tell you how many supplies go into making just one bracelet. And but the prices vary greatly. Right. And all the individual pieces, when you add them up, you know, that can make for an eighteen dollar bracelet a three to four dollar difference, depending on where I buy them. Right. Okay, so a lot of it comes from the sourcing of your supplies. Um, yes. And uh, and do you also, you know, keep a valuation or a rating on how much your time is worth per hour? So do you factor that into the cost as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I just want to make sure, I just want to make sure because I know somebody I spoke with who actually skipped that step. She wasn't. A lot of people skipped that step. Yeah, she wasn't even assuming that her own time was worth anything. I mean, I can tell you right now with, with me, um, as overwhelmed as I frequently get with business, which I'll admit, um, every single second of my day is worth something. Yep. It, 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 it doesn't matter. Even if to the outside observer, it may look like I'm quote unquote wasting my time. There's some motive behind it, no matter what it is. And there's money attached to that motive. That's just how I operate. And that's just, uh, that's also um, leverage I've been using to, uh, to uh, just keep all the crazies and all the nonsense just out of my life. Yeah, one of my students um, in this run of the course, she does embroidery hoops. And I was looking through her shop during – I do live, um, live Q&A sessions with my course every week so they can call in and ask whatever they want. And she had me looking at her shop, and she had this gorgeous snowflake embroidery. It was so, so pretty. Right. And it was either $9 or $12. And, you know, I, that was the first thing I pointed out. I was like, what on earth are you doing? Like, once you take out the supplies and the cost of listing it and your fees and taxes, you just paid yourself, what, $2? For two hours of work, like, think think about this one here. So yeah, yeah we had to really work on her pricing. Yeah, yeah, she would have been better off uh, going to wait tables because even without the tips their ridiculously low base salary is like three times that is my first part. And then the second yep. thing is is she may actually and tell me if I'm right or wrong about this, but this is what this is what uh, left to my mind is she may actually be undervaluing her time because she's allowing it to take two hours because she knows she's not making a dime on it other than any profit she can get at the store. But if she were to go into it knowing that each hour she spent was worth $20, she might figure out how to get that snowflake done in an hour because now in two hours she can make 40 bucks. Yeah, and I, th I think that's a step that a lot of people miss. We teach this in entrepreneurial and uh, and business growth coaching and those types of things, which is look at the value of your time, and it, usually that's you know usually that's geared toward stay the hell off the telephone. But in this case, <laughs> it's uh, geared toward uh, you know what are you doing here? I mean, uh, if it's really taking you three hours to do that snowflake, why is it taking you three hours to do that snowflake? And I, as you said that, I just was starting to think to myself, if only he or she knew how much of her own, you know, how much her own time was worth or how much his own, own time was worth, they might start moving faster just because they know they can increase their margins. Mm -hmm. I know one of the things that I learned from stamping, um, you know, I used to just stamp the bracelets one at a time. Right. I know my bracelets are created. Um, each individual letter is a stamp. Right. They're not engraved in. So I had to hand stamp each letter. So I would pull up the order, and then I would, you know, write out whatever it was the message was supposed to be, and I would stamp it in one letter at a time. Well, if you look at my shop, you see that I already have a bunch of phrases for people to buy. Right. 
So I very quickly learned when I go to pull up my orders, I search in my orders for a specific phrase, like, I don't even know, my sister's bracelet. I'll look up my sister's bracelet, and I pull all the sister's orders, and I will stamp nine or ten of them all at the same time. Okay. And then send them all out. And it takes ten minutes versus three hours. Oh, okay, okay. So what I so you look so you look at what's going on, and if you see if you have a bunch of orders for that same phrase, you just do them all at the same time because you happen to have your setup open. Yep. Okay, that that yep. okay, that that's just being economical. <laughs> a lot of people don't do that though. Right, they're not, they're not they thinking don't. some of the obvious. <laughs> yep, a lot of people don't do that though. I know I mentioned that in my course. I'm like, well, why don't you do this? You know. Why don't you do all of your like orders at the same time? And I'll, I always get light bulbs like, oh, right. that's smart. Right, right. Or if they know that they have a bestseller and they happen to have an order for that bestseller right now, since they already have all the equipment out, why not do a few of them just to get ahead of the curve? Absolutely, especially with the holidays coming up. Right. Um, you know, October through January even is, is the big time for, for my type of products. Right. I was just I was just going to say, I mean, especially with the, uh, you know, we have Small Business Saturday that's going to be coming up a couple of days after Thanksgiving here in the States. And, you know, yeah. we do have, uh, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, uh, the 3,000 days of Christmas, it seems like, because I think I was in the store <laughs> the other day and they already had the Christmas trees up. I think they're they trying, I think they're trying to tell me one of these days I need to get a Christmas tree for my place out here in Las Vegas. I just haven't invested in one because I've cats and i just don't have the confidence that they're going to leave my tree alone but uh, but i think it's like telling me that maybe it's about time that i just sort of you know bit the bullet and took the risk yeah i don't out here they've already started decorating like not decorating but every time you walk into a store there's christmas trees everywhere and i'm like for me it kind of sets in this little bit of panic because i get right. so busy yeah. i'm going no not yet no now, no, it, no i can't <laughs> i can't wait to have you know I think during the holidays, one of my slow days was six or seven hundred dollars. Yeah. So you know, I can't wait for that to come around again. But oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, the it's, rest of it. <laughs> I mean, you're going to be busy, but all the same, it's going to be a nice, uh, nice cash injection. Now, as we're talking about Christmas, what came to mind here is uh, my grandmother, God bless her soul, loved to work in ceramics, and she made a lot of. Christmas ornaments, such as trees that lit up, like those ceramic Christmas trees with the little plastic bulbs you put in. And there's a big light bulb in the middle, and it lights up. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I had to, and uh, I inherited this one that she made. It was absolutely gorgeous that hung on the wall. Unfortunately, the thing took a six foot header, and it is no more. But that thing was so beautiful when I had it, and I was thinking, oh no, this was her favorite tree, and it, it died on me. Uh, but a lot of her trees are still around. And I, as I remember, she bought a kit of some sort or some sort of machine or something that she used to make these trees. Um, mm -hmm. what about seasonal ornaments? And like, let's say somebody wanted to make the ceramic trees. What resources are out there to help them make the ceramic trees? I was kind of young. I don't really remember her process and she was, very limited in doing them by the time I was old enough to even know, but uh, there are a lot of those trees still hanging around that she did with her own hands. So you wanted to know how they would learn how to make them? Yeah, yeah, like what resources are out there? And I mean, I think this could be uh, just a good example of if you have an artisan who's listening to this, where they can reach out to find some things that will help and make it easier for them to produce their, their handmade work. 
Um, my favorite resource for everything is actually YouTube. Okay. YouTube. YouTube is, not only does they have, you can learn to do anything on YouTube. You can learn embroidery stitches on YouTube. You right. can learn how to throw pottery on YouTube. You can learn how to build a website on YouTube. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's there, and then um, the Etsy forums. Okay. Like Etsy, you know, I sell on Etsy. Etsy forums um, have different groups and different teams for each different type of craft. Right. And those are wonderful places for resources. The one thing that I love about Handmade is that Handmade really is a community. Right. You know, I mean, there's, of course, some competition, but for the most part, everyone encourages each other. And if you really dive into that community, um, it's, it's really, it's not easy to succeed, but it helps so much because everyone is trying to help each other. Everybody wants everyone else to succeed. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, since you mentioned YouTube, uh, how would somebody use YouTube to promote their handmaids? Uh, what are some examples you've seen of people using YouTube to effectively grow their business uh, selling handmade art? Um, let me see. I can't remember the name of the lady that does the embroidery, but she's a, she's a great example. She sells like the embroidery hoops that you can hang on the wall. They're really pretty. Yeah. Um, and she also sells like embroidery kits and stuff like that. But she actually does tutorials on YouTube and shows you how to do individual stitches. So for beginners like me, I don't embroider. I don't know how to embroider. So if right. I was going to pick it up and try, um, or even if I was just somebody, you know, wanting to master my craft, there's all these different videos on her YouTube channel that shows you how to do each individual stitch. You know, there's a, the cross stitch and then the, I don't even know the names of them. And then um, she also has, like, different patterns, and you can watch her, you know, stitch through each pattern. Right. Um, for my business, there are, and I don't do this because I don't have time, but there are a bunch of people, and, you know, they do the hand stamping and the jewelry. They actually have YouTube channels where they show you how they make their jewelry. You know, well, there's this piece, and this is how I make it, or this is how you cut the metal. And not only does that kind of help grow their business and it, because they're showing, you know, they're showing how they're doing exactly, you know, how they create their products. And a lot of customers like to see, you know, kind of the behind the scenes. But at the same time, they're solidifying themselves in the community because they're willing to reach out. They're willing to help. They're willing to say, you know, hey, hey this is how I do this. Right. So I know one of my suppliers, um, with every product, you get a link. And the link takes you to her YouTube channel and you can see, you know, she shows you how to make things with the product, with like the supplies you just bought. And that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Interesting, and, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna correlate this to the world of info products and PDFs and those other things, uh, <laughs> particularly when you're in a high end or a niche service type business, like one of my businesses. Uh, you know, I'm like in terms of how to do a product launch or how to do a book launch, I'm happy to spill all the beans. I'll tell you exactly how I do it. You know why? Because um, I'm not really interested in being the one-eyed man leading the blind. I want people who know as much about the process, who are educated about the process, who know as much about it, maybe even more than me. That's perfectly fine because we want the people who recognize the value of investing in a partner to help you be more successful. Just like if I saw that embroidery, um, I think it's going to be great that she knows how to do it and she's going to show me how to do it. But I can tell you I'm going to watch one of those YouTube videos and at about the three-minute mark, I'm going to say, to heck with this, where do I buy? 
<laughs> so 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 it kind of accomplishes both things. It first of all shows that she really knows what she's talking about. So people appreciate the value of what they've invested in because they understand how the artisan did it. So they can say, oh, and uh, and the woman who created this, uh, you should see she has this 32 step process and this very special thread she uses for the embroidery. And boy, you should see the. I mean, this is just absolutely beautiful stuff. It's it's worth the ten thousand dollars I paid for it. I'm making that <laughs> the idea, uh, and they can just brag to their friends about it. And then for the yeah, and then for the oh. and then for the um, aspiring embroiderer who's thinking, you know, I'd like to embroider something for my mom for Christmas. She could very quickly say, "How oh, the heck with this? Where do I buy?" Yeah, it? I know yeah. <laughs> a lot of people in my field, like a lot of the the artists and, and handcrafters, are kind of some of them are scared to give away stuff like that. Right. You know, like um, the Vine videos that went viral there for a while. A right. lot of um, a lot of artisans were kind of, you know, doing little vine videos of themselves hammering or sawing or making jewelry, and they became really popular, and, you know, you gain, the more followers you gain on social media with stuff like that, of course, the more potential customers you have, but a lot of people did not want to do that. They were like, you know, I I can't give away my secrets, and I tell them the same thing I tell everybody. I'm like, the people who are going to copy you are going to find a way to copy you. The people who see that are going to go, I'm not doing that, and buy it. Right. You know? (laughs) You know, there's a little, um... A little image going around Facebook right now, and it says something like, you know, uh, something about liking that $7 product, and I can make it with only $92 in supplies. And that yes. is so true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah that, that's a very interesting point, too. I, yeah, that $7 product, it only took me $92 to make it. Now, I mean, yes. you know, you and I both know that uh, what that means is you have to spend $92 to get all the products together to make that $7 product, but you're going to be making more than one product with that same $92 supply. But the fact right. that you may have a $100 investment to get that first $7 product made, that's just the nature of it. So you look at your scalability, and as you said earlier, you look at you know who some of your suppliers are, and you look at where you can get some of your best cost deals in terms of getting supplies together so that's just being smart and starting to think entrepreneurially yep right so i have i have people all the time go you know can you teach me how to hand stamp i want to learn how to stamp so i can make christmas presents and i'm just like one font set is three hundred dollars and they immediately go okay where can i buy bracelets for my family members Uh uh-huh okay that's (laughs) that's good i love that i love that so one font stamp is three (laughs) hundred dollars <laughs> yeah that would uh, very quickly have me saying eh, you know what i'm not feeling so artistic after all so <laughs> so what we're getting here and i really want to bring this out because i i led you here for a reason is that by being generous by being giving by being willing to pull back the curtain and show people how it's done you're actually going to not only increase your sales of the people who say ah, i'm not doing this myself but also gives your customers bragging rights which raises the perceived value of what you're selling. Absolutely. I want, Absolutely. Yeah, I want all of our artisans to hear that. I want all of our entrepreneurs to hear that. I want all of our service providers to hear that. I want all of our information marketers to hear that. Uh, give your audience bragging rights to justify the additional dollar amount you're charging, and they will gladly pay it for the bragging rights. Yep. Yep, absolutely. I know for, for my world, um, a great example of this is her name's Mallory Wingo. Okay. Um, she's, a, she's a great friend of mine. She runs a Wingo Star Jewelry. She has 57,000 followers on Instagram. Wow. 
Yeah, <laughs> and she cannot keep her shop up to date. Like she's she's always two to two to four weeks behind. You have to wait two to four yeah. weeks for a piece of jewelry. <laughs> You know, and it's both her and her husband running the shop. She come, That's all she does is make jewelry. It's all wire wrap jewelry and crystal jewelry. But um, she lets people into her life. You know, you see what she's doing. She, she tells you how she's doing it. You know, she's kind of like game. She has a following, basically. People, right. they, they're not just buying a piece of jewelry at this point. They're buying a piece of Mallory's life, you know? Right. She has, like fan status. I love it. Um, I actually used her as an example in my course this morning. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> great. Awesome. In a few minutes, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about this course because uh, the, I've been looking for actually a referral source for when I get these questions because I think that there are others out there who, and, and, I, and I admit this, I, you know, in this particular area of expertise, I think there are others more qualified than me. And that's why we brought you on uh, because I'm most happy when people get the results they're looking for. And uh, when it comes to this handmade stuff and this artisan stuff, I'm so glad we had you here because I think this particular episode is going to be a resource we keep pointing back to over and over again good yeah i I, I knew you'd like the sound of that so uh (laughs) um overall overall shay uh what would you think or say rather are the three most important things because you know we're about 40 minutes into this so i want to start tying up some loose ends some of the three most important things that have helped you become a success uh determination okay um, determination would definitely be one of them. Um, right. Willing to reach out. Okay. I did not do this by myself. Um, and God, I want to say determination again. <laughs> All right. You know, <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they, I just they, the key to business success is location, location, location. Then they started the internet, and it's still location, yes. location, location. You have to be found through search engine marketing. Yes. Even right. on Etsy, you have to be found through search engine marketing <laughs> oh yeah yeah I, I can imagine that i mean again i'm still on your etsy store for the vagabond studio and what are some of the things that you have done uh to grow your etsy store i mean i see you, uh, you have a lot of products here i think you have uh something like 160 products out of the press time here there's a whole ton of them but uh what are some of the things you've done to make uh the vagabond store really stand out among the many etsy profiles and stores that are out there uh, well, one of the things I've done to make my specific shop stand out is that I have nailed my my niche market. Okay. Um, that's something that a lot of artisans do not do. It's something that you know I, I drill into my students' heads because they, they don't do that. Um, so when you go on Etsy, only the really big shops seem to have that, that down pat, and it's taken right. years for them to figure it out. Um, so that was like the first thing. Um, I also really took the social media. I grow a, a the majority of my customers, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Etsy has like a back end where you can see your stats and analytics. And right. the majority of my customers come from Instagram. So I've really studied, you know, I know you read my bio. I'm big into social media. I did social yes. media work first. So I, yeah, I, I really took the social media in growing my business. All right. Uh, so give us a couple things we can latch on to and get started with in terms of monetizing Instagram, because one of the big questions we get on business creators radio show is how do I monetize my social media? We've never really had a, an expert on Instagram before. So what do you have for us there? Oh, I could do a whole interview on Instagram. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, um, 
Okay, so uh, as I am someone who is a coach, I know we keep saying, you know, you don't have to be a coach to make money. I am now a coach, and that is a completely different area. You go a completely different way about using Instagram for that. But for artists and artisans, the best way is to just put your art out there. You know, people want to see what you're making. They want to see how you're making it. They want to see your studio. Artists are fascinating to people, you know, especially people who aren't artists. Um, they're, they're mystified by the fact that we can create things with our hands. So the more that we let people into that world, um, the more interactive they'll be, the more they feel like they kind of have taken a piece of that, and the more likely they are to follow you and buy your stuff. Right. Okay, that's, that, that, that's pretty straightforward. And I, and I just want to point out, you know, especially since Instagram is pictures, that's a place you really need to be if you're looking at doing the handmade stuff. And yeah. uh, and so basically we're talking about just showing pictures of your work, uh, showing links to videos of your work so people can see how it's done. So they understand the values we stated earlier of the work that you do and the passion that goes into creating these pieces of art. Yes, Absolutely. And not just the, the pieces of art, but just succeeding as an artist alone. You know, people want to see. I know my sales always peak after I show or after I share a picture of, like, all the envelopes I have getting ready to ship. So right. Like when, I when I post a picture of the boxes and boxes of orders I have going out, for some reason people are always like, oh, I'm going to buy from her. Yes. <laughs> and here come more envelopes. <laughs> right. You know? Right, right. Now, is I now I th I think there's another thing that I want to touch on here as well, and I think that when you have uh, you're doing something like handmade artwork and this type of passion-based creation, it gives you the opportunity to be in line with your own personal message in ways that some of us information marketers just, you know, we, we do at our own peril. Like uh, you can express your beliefs. Um, you can express what you believe in the things you align with uh, more effectively through some of your bracelets and just looking at some of the sayings you have stamped on some of these things. Um, I see the correlations between some of the passions that you share in your long official biography, uh, you know, things about, you know, you know, peace and, uh, and world happiness and those types of woo woo stuff, because you said it yourself, you're woo woo. I am woo woo. See, I did my homework. <laughs> I'm woo woo and I love ring. You know, Yes, yes, yes. People ask me how I can be how I can be vegan and a cigar smoker at the same time, and I say it's possible. I, I have a vegan meal and I light a cigar. I mean, that's you can do whatever. You want. And uh, and and I have another example here, um, and I think this works pretty much however you want it to work. There's a, a jewelry shop. Uh, it's in New York, uh, and they have a line of artisan jewelry it's called we the people bracelet we the people bracelet.com uh they uh basically what it is is silver that has constitutional amendments and sayings from the constitution and the bill of rights and america patriotism uh they were a client of ours many years ago and we worked with them on a campaign to get their their wares onto the shelf at walmart and a couple other lead generation things so this goes back like five or six years uh but the gentleman who owns it his name is gregory was very passionate about 
America. He is a you know, he's 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 Russian. He came to the United States about 20 years ago, and he just loves the idea of America, the land of opportunity, the land that helped him realize his dreams. So if you go to wethepeoplebracelet.com, you're going to see uh, you know that type of message resonates in the conservative and libertarian community. So you're going to see the Freedom Alliance, the Heritage Foundation, Americans for Prosperity, uh, some conservative radio stations. Um, at one point, he uh, had a radio endorsement from Sean Hannity because these are the things, the things you do and how you align with your market. And for those who are listening on to this episode and you feel that there's a disconnect between the markets you need to serve to be profitable and your own beliefs, artisan Art, you know, handcrafted artisan work can be a way to allow you to express yourself more freely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't as much with, well, no, I do with my bracelets. I know, you know, you mentioned in my bio that I work with the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation. Right. Um, whenever I was in college, I was in college, I went to school for peace studies. Yes. And so a lot of the bracelets that I made that were peace-related you know, they went as kind of like a fundraiser for them. Um, and then, you know, there have been a bunch of movements that I've been a part of, and I was able to support them through, you know, creating bracelets that were similar to that. Right. Just sort of to show, to show my support. But, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love this. And, you know, and I, and I, I just it, get, it gets me passionate about people doing, you know, what they what they just love doing here. So what I'd like to do here is uh, shift gears just for a moment. Uh, we have maybe about 10 minutes left here, and I want to make sure that you have a couple moments here. Now, you've mentioned that you have a unique system and a unique course. Uh, so what I'd like to do is just have you tell us a little bit about that. And then uh, you know, for anybody who is interested in connecting with you or learning more about you, uh, just you know, tell people how they will go about doing that. Okay. So um, the Vagabond Studio will lead you to my Etsy shop, but yes. shayford.com um, is my personal website. You can find, I actually wrote a book, it's called Rock Your Shop, A Guide to Building, um, Branding, and Marketing Etsy. And then I have a course that's also called Rock Your Shop, and it is an 8 to 10 week course. It's technically 8 weeks with a 2 week break. I walk my students through the entire process of creating an Etsy shop. Um, everything in it also applies to if you have your own standalone website, but this is sort of part one. I go through the photography, pricing, branding. Um, I'm currently, because it's a live course, I'm currently um, running a live version of it right now. Right. Um, and but somebody, but somebody could be listening to this three years from now. That's the beauty of the Business Creators Radio Show. We have our iTunes uh, channel, and we are syndicated through m- numerous different networks. I hear from people who listened to episodes we filmed a year ago. That's awesome. Because I'm going to run it over and over again. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we're running a live course right now, and I have you know everyone from there are a couple of of ladies in the shop who or in the course who have not created their shops yet. And all the way up to, you know, I told you I have that student, a student right now who's about to cross $200,000 a year. Yeah. So, you know, we have a wide variety. Everyone's learning something. I'm getting great feedback from it. Um, you know, I know we keep talking about how you don't have to make, you know, you don't have to be a coach and have PDFs and courses to make money. Right. And that is what I'm doing now. But <laughs> it's, Isn't that kind of ironic how that works? And you remember about yeah, it is. Ago, That's I, what... I the correlation between, uh, between online marketing and, uh, and the whole handcrafted artisan thing. Too bad? Yes. 
I um yeah, a lot of people ask me when I started doing the course, they're like, you know, are you going to shut down your Etsy shop now? And I'm like, no, because there are, there are some a few of the people that, that teach Etsy. The majority of them do not have Etsy shops. Right. <laughs> I'm like, no, I want to keep my shop open. I'd like That's why I do this. I, I love being an artisan, and I want everyone else to. You know, I'm a single mom, and I completely support my family with, or I, I was a single mom. I'm about to not be. But I, I did for a long time completely support my family with my Etsy shop. And... I want other people to be able to do that too. So I quite literally hold their hand through the entire process. Wow, that's really that's really cool. So uh, I and I and I love the fact that there's a resource out there for people who have the handmade art and are looking to actually monetize it or build a business or build a future with it. And I know people personally who love their handmade arts and crafts and uh, say, well, I'm going to do it just for fun. So in the, in the last couple minutes here, um, here's what I want to do. I had a, uh, a woman that I knew, uh, how long ago was this? Eight years ago. And I, what I want to do is I want to tell you her situation and what she said to me, and I want to see what advice you would give her. So here's the situation. Uh, she was an extremely talented painter. Uh, she, you know, she's like 22 years old or something like that, very young. Uh, but she has such a talent, such a passion for painting. Uh, she was getting her paintings featured in art shows in Italy and France and traveling around the world and everything else. And she told me that her vision in life was to be, or her goal in life was to be a starving artist, which meant she didn't want to make money. She didn't want to move out of her studio apartment in the middle of no place. Uh, and she wanted to be a starving artist, paint her paintings, and spend a lot of time uh, working on animal rescue, which is something that I certainly, you know, am passionately behind. Uh, and I say and I say that because I have my rescued cat Stella here sitting on my lap. Um <laughs> Now, um, I suggested to her that she had an incredible intersection of her brilliance and her passion with her painting. And if she could do something to market those paintings and make real money with that, she could do so much good in the world. And she came back with me, but I, you know, I want to be a starving artist. So with you know, trying not to be sarcastic, I said, well, why don't you make a million dollars with your paintings give half of it to animal rescue. You might even be able to start your own shelter and uh, start a new no-kill shelter to save animal lives. Uh, then you take most of the money, uh, stick it in uh, an investment account somewhere that'll yield interest, live off the interest, and donate. <laughs> and she said, I'm, I, I'm obviously just one of those people who only cares about money and doesn't appreciate value or something like that. But that was the last, <laughs> time, that was the last time I went well, well with her. So if you had somebody who was resistant to the idea of profiting from their passion, allowing the intersection of their brilliance and passion to turn into something, because I was actually being quite serious. If she uh, wanted to live a minimalist lifestyle, then bank the money, knowing that she has an insurance policy in place, and she can just live her life doing passionate things. So if she wants to like not paint for two years and just work with animals or do nothing at all or travel Europe, she doesn't have to worry about it. That was really my point. Uh, so what would you say to someone like that if they were so resistant to making money because they felt that it was in the way of some other altruistic goal of theirs? 
Mm, I think the wonderful thing about me being in the position that I am in is that I am both artist and business person. Right. Um, so the artist side of me is kind of wanting to cheer her on. <laughs> yes. You know, you know, if that's what you want to do, then go do it. Yeah. But then the business side of me is going, if you have that talent, why are you not using it? Yes. <laughs> you know, and then the activist part of me is going, you know, if you if she could if she could not even necessarily bank that money, I understand, you know, from a minimalist point of view, why she wouldn't want to, but there's so much good that she could do with that kind of talent. Right. Um, my, what I do, honestly, is I, I mean, I encourage people to do what they want to do, you know. She could feel as strongly against banking that money and having an investment account as I did against working in an office. Right. You know. Exactly. So. exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm unemployable myself, so I can relate to the whole not working in office thing. Um, <laughs> believe me, believe me, that 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 I get. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But one, and I guess that also depends on how you how you define minimalism, because one fast of minimalism means you don't have debt, which means you raise your revenues or you raise your income to wipe out your debt. And then you yes. can, then you invest the money. You just don't spend it. You live a modest lifestyle. You don't own stuff you don't need and you don't spend money. You don't have to with the idea that it puts you in your comfort zone and you get to live a life of true freedom. That's part of many people's definition of minimalism. It's not turning away money. It's just not yes. using the money. And that's that's my definition of minimalism too. <laughs> that's that's yeah, and I'm, and I'm on a four-year plan to achieve that myself. I, I personally don't want a a big house or something like that because it's something that's chained to me. Uh, my ultimate lifestyle is to have multiple places to live in different places, and I just travel back and forth between them without luggage. All I bring with me is my cats. <laughs> you still like my parents? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what they do. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean lifestyle. as. As an artist, I mean, I can I can understand why she wouldn't want to make money off of her art. You know, I I don't sell them, but I do I paint watercolor. That is what I originally started college for. Was right. I was an art major, and um, so I could understand not wanting to. It's hard to put, you know, a price tag on what winds up feeling like a piece of you. You know, right. as an as an artist, it's really hard to put a price tag on that, and especially when people haggle prices on art so much. So I can understand that, but yeah, I mean, if you have the talent, you can absolutely turn it into a business, and you can invest it so that you can, you know, retire later or put your kids through college or, you know, anything other than have a boatload of money. Or or retire sooner. If your boatload comes in early, just just, uh, find a way to get a return on it and live off the return, uh, knowing you never have to do anything again. Absolutely. That, that could be another way of going about it. So we're at the top of the hour here. Um, Shay Ford of the Vagabond Studio, I just want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you for having me. You bet. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homie, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please tune in to our previous and our upcoming episodes at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com and also subscribe to our iTunes channel where we help you win at the game of business.